0: The dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC.
1: Okay, everybody knows Moraka. Okay, Moraka, what is your real
0: name? Well, my father in the late 60s when I was born was the ambassador to Mozambique. And so um, that is where my name comes from.
1: You mean you would have been named? Mozambique, Raka.
0: I made that up. I just wanted to see how you'd react, and I thought I'm you i I'm listening. Were,
1: no. I'm making the mistake. I'm listening to you.
0: My mother was a hippie, and when I was born, she was hitchhiking across the Mojave Desert.
1: I oh, know. This is getting worse. What was your name at birth? Real name.
0: Maurice.
1: Oy, yeah. better, better you should go back to Mozambique.
0: I think you're right. And the thing <laughs> is,
1: in now— you know, I used to say like,
0: well, at least there's Maurice Chevalier in that you know singing in in the movie Gigi. But now, thank heaven for little girls. I mean, is a little creepy, so he's been canceled. So I can no longer use Maurice Chevalier as somebody so that I could sort of lean on to say, look, my name's kind of cool.
1: Your name is semi cool. What what would have been Maurice or something like that? Yeah, Ma- no, Maurice is my given name. Um,
0: but but I. I think I would have preferred Morris. Because remember Morris, the cat? I loved those commercials.
1: Isn't that interesting? It so rarely comes up in conversation. So... <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, is Rocca your real name? Yes.
0: My father was Italian. Oh. So I'm half Italian, half Colombian. My mother's Colombian.
1: Okay. So how do you do all these interviews? Aren't you sick of Zooming? I mean, really? hate
0: it. I had a Zoom-related injury. I'm not kidding you. Over the... Uh, starting in the summer of 2020, three months into the pandemic, I injured my left vocal cord. I got something called a granuloma. It was really really rough and I and, and my voice was breaking. Um, and it's because of all the zooming because I don't know if you experienced this when you're when we were all on zoom at first we all thought we needed to talk like that. It, almost like we were you know speaking with someone in Taiwan in the 1970s. remember long distance calls back then you know you you, you talk like that. And it put a lot of strain on my voice. And so I had a Zoom-related injury.
1: I have never yet done a Zoom because, A, ah. I look lousy on Zoom. Mm. B, it comes in too close.
0: Mm.
1: C, I feel like I look awful, so I will not do Zoom.
0: It's all about the filter, Cindy. You could look. You need the Marlena Dietrich filter, which they have no, on Zoom. you also
1: need Vaseline on the lens. Well, right.
0: That's what I mean. Yeah. And, well, you know.
1: what You can put that on?
0: There are all kinds of filters. You could look like a 1930s film star. if You know, there, there are filters for that. You could, you know, and you look great anyway. I'm looking at you right now. I mean, your hair looks terrific. <laughs> really.
1: <laughs> what about the rest of me? You stopped at the hair?
0: Oh, what about the face? I'm going from the top down. Help me. Help I just me. got just to the face there. and the
1: face is fantastic. Forget it. Okay. Working now, schlepping around. Isn't it more difficult, Mo? Oh, uh, yes. I mean, look, as much as I hate Zoom,
0: it makes it, 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 it allows you to avoid airports, which is a nice thing because airports are just lousy. I mean, they're just, they're, yeah, I don't enjoy them at all. Um, but uh, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, the mask on, the mask off, all that. It's, it's a
1: little tedious, but you know, you muddle through. Didn't you – I remember speaking to you once. Didn't you once take your mother along to an interview in the Catskills with Melissa Gilbert? I went up to see Melissa
0: Gilbert in the Catskills. I wanted to believe it was the prairies of Minnesota because of Little House (laughs) on the Prairie. So it was more like – it was more like, you know – the weekend house in the Catskills rather than Little House on the Prairie. Um, wonderful. And she's terrific. Um, but, no, I brought my mother with me um, to New Hampshire to do a piece about our 14th president, Franklin Pierce, because I like um, doing pieces on obscure and lousy presidents from the way past. And, that uh, means
1: Biden? You're going to be doing Biden at some point? Okay. I
0: only deal with – I need 20 years to assess – the the the, Could you hurry the it worth of Biden. Uh, you you want me to fast track that. <laughs> Listen, Franklin Pierce was a wreck. He was, according to Harry Truman, our best looking president. I don't know how Harry Truman got to be the arbiter of good looking presidents, but that's what Harry Truman said. But otherwise he was a wreck. He died of dropsy, which basically means he drowned in alcohol. He was such a big drinker.
1: Listen, I don't know who the hell discusses Franklin Pierce these days. How did you manage to schlep in Franklin Pierce? Because for CBS Sunday
0: Morning, I like doing obscure presidential history because I think it's a break from current presidential history, Okay, It gives people a break. And, you know, you look back at the past and you go, wow, we got through that. We can get through anything. Knock on wood.
1: uh, Maybe this interview is one of the things we can get through. So I remember (laughs) – You Listen, I remember talking to you. You I remember you. No, no, I've seen you. I heard this song. uh, It's a beautiful song. Uh, Calm yourself. I remember you went somewhere, (laughs) someplace, to Kansas or North Dakota. I went to North Dakota.
0: For for Peggy Lee? For Peggy Lee's 101st birthday. I mean, I had to honor it somehow. And so I went there with her fantastic granddaughter, who's sort of the keeper of the the flame, uh, for a piece that, has yet to air, but will air about the legacy of <laughs> That was of like Peg-
1: 12 years ago you did it. It, it, it.
0: Look, we're on a grad school schedule at CBS <laughs> Sunday morning. It's sort of like, you know, you'll go down in a producer's office, there'll be a stack of books about Monet's water lilies, and they'll say, wait, didn't you start that in 2005? And they'll say, yeah, but Monet's still dead. Nothing's going to change, and the water lilies are still pretty. And the same for Peggy Lee. Her legacy lives on.
1: Well, okay. Do you do anybody who's alive?
0: Yeah. In
1: fact, I I do two
0: people. No, don't get me wrong. I love dead people, but I also like people that are alive. Um, I just did Sonny Curtis. Sonny Curtis, people may not recognize the name. He was an original bandmate of Buddy Holly, but you really know him because he wrote and sang the Mary Tyler Moore theme song. How will you make it on your own? Right. And and basically everyone from the show is dead, except for Betty White. She's alive.
1: I, do you special, specialize in people who are gone?
0: Uh, listen, in my past life, I was an actuary, so I'm always <laughs> so, but it it got a little boring. So I decided to turn it into a TV career
1: tell me Tell me one of these stories of when you slip to these places. what's it What's it like when you go to a a never, never land? If you go
0: to the home of an obscure nineteenth century president, You will find people there, the docents, and I love these people, people that are generally doing it on a volunteer basis who are fully committed to the legacy of someone most people don't care about. (laughs) And there's something incredibly endearing about that because they just – by virtue of their – commitment and their volunteerism are keeping a piece of real history alive. So when I was at the Franklin Pierce house, I got to talk with this woman who pointed out that Franklin Pierce introduced perforated postage stamps. Before Franklin Pierce, you had to cut the postage stamp, but he introduced perforation. He also helped um, lead this country into civil war. But, you know, there are goods and bads to everyone. Uh, And, you know, and then I met a woman at the James Buchanan house, our only bachelor, put quotes around bachelor, president in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Or is it Lancaster? It's Lancaster.
1: You know how many people come up, bring this up in conversation? James Buchanan? (laughs) I mean, every day when I go to dinner, one of the things we discuss is... James Buchanan.
0: And the fact that he, everyone knows that he was our first gay president and how terrible. Not he,
1: everybody knows that. Well, you could bachelor, stop 12 people bachelor. on the street and they don't know it. They don't even know who Franklin Pierce was.
0: They don't know. And it's a real shame. They think he's... They confuse him with Franklin Mint. And, you know, especially if you're of a certain age. And James Buchanan, they only know from Welcome Back Cotter, a piece of sweat hogs, went to James Buchanan High School. Why do you Buchanan schlep to see
1: these people? Why not this? Because at I get to five keep— five alive people in this Be- studio because right because now. If at sh- least.
0: If I schlep, I get to keep the miles.
1: <laughs> okay, that's good. Oh, that's good. How do you work at home with your partner during CV?
0: Well— Oh, oh, wait, during the pandemic, you mean, or, yeah. or just in general? Uh, well, well,
1: in general is something else.
0: Well, <laughs> oh no, there are three rooms. So we can just sort of
1: we can. So you make that much money that I have
0: three rooms. <laughs> I know. Right. Isn't it amazing? And one yes. of the rooms is half taken up with a giant bust of Grover Cleveland. It really is. I went on Antiques Roadshow to get it appraised. It's worth nothing. Um, but um, I. Uh the um no you just you just figure it out and then you move rooms so that you can't hear each other on conference calls and things like that.
1: How do you do it? Seriously, no joke. People are fed up to hear with pandemic and masks and they can't go out. Do you go out for dinner? Do you go to restaurants? What? Do you go to theater? How do, how do you live? Well, cuz most of your people are dead anyway. Well, that's true. That's <laughs> true. And so the um <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, and you know, the great thing about dead people, Cindy, they the don't best complain, thing, yeah. they don't have publicists, and that just makes life so easy. I mean, right? Um, uh, well, I mean, I'm going to theater every night because I'm in a play, and that's not meant as a segue, but no. I'll get into No, I know, I know. I'm Fakata not pushing. I'm not pushing. Yeah, well, please.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Woody Allen, I don't mean to bring him up in a Whoa. conversation, but he once told me during the pandemic, I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm hiding under the bed. Judge Judy says, I'm buying stuff I don't even want that I won't even wear. I mean, we're all doing bizarre things. Yeah. Look, I finally signed
0: up for one of those grocery services. I think fresh, whatever, direct, fresh, direct. And I didn't realize, I checked the box that said I would accept substitutions if they didn't have certain foodstuffs. So I ordered an array of things, and I ended up getting about 15 bags of frozen mangoes. Okay, and I still have frozen mangoes in my freezer. (laughs) And that that's the legacy of the pandemic is I have mango poisoning. I've had so – remember when Jeremy Piven said that he had sushi poisoning and he had to drop out of a play on Broadway because he had so much sushi? Well, I could drop out of, of what I'm doing right now because of all the mangoes I've been eating.
1: Actually, the trouble is you're a very boring interview. That's the problem. I know. Then I'm going to try to overcome that. Now, tell me about this cockamamie thing you're in. Nice. It's fairy cakes. The name alone is upsetting fairy cakes I you're know. in this fakakta thing and it doesn't wait, involve james just, just you a second end. i have to what is that it's an off-broadway whatever <laughs> making you its world premiere you should excuse that phrase at the greenwich house theater <laughs> right. which is where
0: the greenwich house theater is at 27 barrow street it's just off of 7th avenue i always called it the barrow street theater
1: Kirk Douglas got his start there, okay? Not recently. What <laughs> not recently? Don't you know anything that happened recently? I I, I do
0: know th- th- that Kirk Douglas died not too long ago. So, listen, it, it, it is an original play. It's a comedy by Douglas Carter Bean who's written some fantastic comedies for for the for the stage and uh and I'm one of 12 cast members um and I'm working with some terrific actors on a play that's really a mashup of classic fairy tales like Pinocchio, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, and he put them in a blender with some bananas because this thing is bananas. And you know, and so you just to wi- come and drink the, it in
1: the Winter blender. Garden. It's not gonna play. <laughs> it is. It is. It is not.
0: Though I was a huge fan of uh. cats when that was at the Winter Garden. Remember that.
1: Yes, I remember everything. I remember everything except the dead people you keep interviewing. Yes, I remember it. Well,
0: back to Marie Chevalier. Oh, God. Okay. Didn't
1: he sing that? How do I know? Okay. I'm, I'm talking about live was people. Was he a
0: Nazi, by the way? I think he. I think there was some question about that, that he was right in France during World War II. But I don't want to malign him.
1: It, well, that would that would be nice. I mean, I would take anything you'll say right now. Tell me about fairy cakes. What do you, pardon the expression, play in it.
0: I play Geppetto, as in the Pinocchio story. Now this is not the Geppetto we grew up with. This is a vulnerable, a soulful, a sexy Geppetto. This is a new Geppetto. Like the old Geppetto, right, That from that cartoon in 1940, that Geppetto is a total zero. I mean he's he, he makes terrible toys, most of them have been recalled by the Consumer Product Safety Commission. He spends half of his day chasing around a sociopathic puppet, a congenital liar. Um, he's he's kind of a loser. This puppet is more – and frankly, I'm surprised they didn't Are cast – Are you
1: just the voice of a puppet?
0: No, 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 no. no. I, I'm Geppetto. Sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm Geppetto, right? Geppetto, the maker, the, okay. the, the person that brings Geppetto – Pinocchio to life. This Geppetto, I'm frankly surprised that Javier Bardem is not in this role um, – so I mean, I would have cast Javier Bardem. They chose to go with me. And when they make the Geppetto biopic, you know they're going to dump the, the the stage actor. It always happens. So I'll get dumped, and they'll probably cast Javier Bardem. But uh, but until then, I'm enjoying really remaking this role.
1: I'm I'm having difficulty following you. What's Javier? Bardem got to do with Geppetto, which watch has this got to do with fairy cakes, which watch has this right. to do with this cockamamie off-Broadway show and, that you're telling me is going to play the Winter Garden. And these
0: are all <laughs> legitimate questions. I, I'll i grant you that. So the
1: play is
0: a comedy. It's zany, but it's also poignant with all these classic fairy tale characters, including Geppetto, whom I play, uh, and um, finding love and fulfillment in life with Fabulous costumes, half the cast play fairies, and oh. they have these amazing wings, like beautiful costumes, like costumes that would knock your socks off. Uh, and a beautiful set. Um, and it's just a it's it it's 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 um it's uh like an amuse bouche, or it's more than that. It's it's fizzy, it's fun, it's delightful, it's a perfect holiday entertainment. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're convinced that oh you're about to lie God. down. And if
1: you weren't in it, would you be saying all this BS to us?
0: <laughs> I think so. Maybe yes.
1: slower, maybe slower. How did you get this part, you you idiot? How did you get this part? Well, the
0: celebrated playwright, Douglas Carter Bean, called me up and he said, I know this is coming out of the blue, but I think you'd be a sensation in this role. I think you are the person to play Geppetto. Now, at first I thought, Geppetto, he's like this old guy. Have I really aged into the role? The pandemic really accelerated the aging process, I guess. And uh, But then I read the script and I said, this is actually – very funny, which I expected from him, but also very, very sweet. Uh, and um, and it's lovely. like like a classic comedy, you have all these people coming together at the end and finding fulfillment and uh, and it's lovely and they're singing and there's dancing and the great Jackie Hoffman uh, wonderful stage and comedian um, uh, does a full-on flamenco dance at one point. So
1: yeah, well, you'll excuse me. So <laughs> did you audition? This- no,
0: I, listen, Cindy. I don't audition. I mean, you know, t- take me as I am, or or don't or don't call me and offer me a uh, you know a part in your new play about Geppetto and other classic fairy tale characters. No, I didn't. I didn't audition. But I still, if I need to, I have 16 bars if i only had a brain that's my up tempo and long before i knew you from bells are ringing is my ballad so if you need me to audition i have those songs ready to go
1: not much of this often comes up in conversation the stuff that you we're discussing right now I know. did you ever
0: interview judy holiday by the way
1: not lately
0: (laughs) she was great in bells are ringing
1: yeah uh, how does this what did i ask you that elicited a question about Judy. I'm losing my mind. Well, what, just as I said that
0: the ballad I could sing if I had to audition for a musical is from Bells Are Ringing, which she started.
1: Well, how did you get this part? Why you to be Geppetto?
0: I, I think apparently I exude Geppetto energy. And I'd like to think that's a good thing. Listen, I don't even own a mallet and a chisel. So I don't make my own wooden toys. But apparently... I seem like somebody who could. And and great. And maybe if I get an HGTV show out of this, you know, some kind of crafts show, that would be great. But Douglas Carter Bean felt that I was the person to re- remake the role of Geppetto. This is a Geppetto reboot. <laughs> a reboot made of wood, I guess. Anyway.
1: How do you Memorize lines.
0: Well, that's interesting. So my dear friend, Tony nominee, Jennifer Simard, advised me on all things regarding this. And she said, take your iPhone, record all of your lines and the cue lines, the lines that other characters say right before your lines, and record all of those sequentially. Then take a walk and repeat them back to yourself. Like you hear the cue line and then you say your line at the same time that you're saying it on the recording. And I would walk the streets of Greenwich Village where I live doing that like a crazy person. So people would see me just late at night, you know, mumbling,
1: mumbling, mumbling,
0: Pinocchio, (laughs) Pinocchio, come back to me, Pinocchio, Pinocchio, come back to me. But you know, it's New York and and the crazy quotient has risen during the pandemic. So I think I fit in nicely. Isn't
1: this iambic Pentameter? Yeah, it
0: is. It is. It is. Da-dun, Explain da-dun, da-dun, to people who may da-dun. not
1: understand what that does on stage.
0: It every line is ten syllables, and these are rhyming couplets. So everything rhymes. So if you're a fan of rhyme, then you're gonna love this. Um and I think if you're a fan of reason, you'll love it too. But it's this it, it, so the whole thing basically rhymes. So you'll say, um, uh, you know, life is a struggle. Each day is a test. So now to bed and find some blessed rest.
1: That doesn't rhyme well. I mean, I it, it, blame it on me right now. Uh, you have to lean into the rhyme. I'm sorry I invited you here because I just don't understand what you're telling me well, altogether.
0: Cindy, I thought that this entire interview was going to rhyme. So I'm a little let down.
1: <laughs> what? Where did you, now that I speak to you and I know you, where did you learn acting?
0: Uh, in my bathroom mirror. I mean, I don't, you know, um, where did I, I did, I did theater as a kid. I even went to an acting program at the, the North Carolina School of the Arts when I was in high school during the summers, which was an amazing experience. Then when I came to New York after graduating from college, I was cast in the Southeast Asia tour of the musical Greece. I played. <laughs> I, this is true. Southeast
1: and, and, Asia yes, and I went to Houston. Jakarta,
0: and I went to Jakarta, which you know well. I do. I live there. I yes, you live there. there. Um, and uh, no Sukarnos showed up for of uh, this performance.
1: Nobody's going to show up where you're working, so keep going. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, that that
1: may be the case,
0: but I thought, come on. I mean, we came all the way from New York, and you would have thought like a Sahardo or a Sukarno or a something would have shown up. And uh, and so I played Duty, the youngest of the Greasers we went to Hong Kong, Singapore and, um, and to Jakarta on this tour in 1993. Uh, and that was very exciting. And then the next year I did Paper Mill Playhouse. I did a production of, of, um, South Pacific there. So I done, I done some theater right out of college and, uh, and then a few years ago, I did the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee on Broadway.
1: But Mo Rocker is mostly known as being a humorist. Not that you are on this particular program. I know. We well, know I that. You know, I can't pretty turn boring it on and like flat. that. I mean, but you're a humorist. Where do you humor? Um... <laughs> I, I, I'll humor anyone who gives
0: me a shot,
1: <laughs> who, who's, who's willing
0: to listen to me You're for more than a couple on minutes. on
1: CBS TV every Sunday. Yes,
0: on CBS Sunday morning, which, you know, is a very civilized and I think um, humane program and allows me to do serious things and allows me to do more humorous things and
1: a mixture of the two. You do a lot of people who are gone or who are old hat. Or, or I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that to be Not nice. But it's nice. It's very nice. Here's why do you do that?
0: No, I'll tell you why I do it. I have found, with all due respect, that a lot of young stars They don't know anything. They don't know anything and they don't have anything to say. And the best of them know that they don't have anything to say. I've had occasions where I've sat across from young, very talented stars, and to their great credit, they're kind of they'll sort of sheepishly say, like, you know, I don't I don't have that much to say. Like and and I kind of appreciate that because it's true. They don't. I mean, a few do. Well, not even a few. It's hard for me to think of them. The older actors, authors, you know, personalities or whatever, have lived experience. I mean, they just have more to say. They're just more interesting. I mean, you know, and uh, and so I always prefer that. I also prefer to find people that I consider undervalued stocks. People who haven't gotten the attention that maybe they should, in that an audience mem- that someone at home will watch and go, Wow, this is really interesting, or I'm really surprised, or, or Wow, she's really cool, or, Oh, yeah, where has he been? And, you know, I did Russ Tamblin, who's had a really wild, crazy life, who was in, you know, the original West Side story as a riff. His daughter is a star, Amber Tamblin. But then he fell in hard times and then ended up in Japanese movies and exploitation films, biker movies, and then became a really respected visual artist and then came back with Twin Peaks. I mean, that's an interesting
1: life of ups and downs. Well, Somewhere I was having a discussion with someone and I mentioned Marlene Dietrich and they said, who's that? So I thought well, I'm yeah. going to kill myself. You yeah. know. So exactly what you're saying is what's happening. But isn't that what happens with everyone who, as we go on and spend more years, we know things that they, the new people cannot know? We,
0: I think what's sobering is to realize how quickly people are forgotten. In the early 2000s, one of our correspondents, Rita Braver, interviewed Nora Ephron about a play she'd written about Mary McCarthy and Lillian Hellman and their, their rivalry. And Rita said to Nora, How do you want to be remembered? And Nora Ephron laughed and said, remembered? No one's going to remember me. And she said, you know, she said, Lillian Hellman and Mary McCarthy were incredibly famous. And she said, I've written this play now less than 20 years after they're both gone and no one knows who they are. Cut to a few years ago in my office working with very young, smart people. I brought up the name of Nora Ephron. She'd been dead only for three years. None of them knew who she was.
1: I know. I'm having that happen to me.
0: Very Mm -hmm. few people are really remembered. And it's interesting who is. I did something on Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn, for some reason, and I think for a good reason, is remembered. There are girls in college now that have her posters on their wall. But she's one of a very small group of people. And as you remember, Audrey Hepburn's career was actually quite short. And there were bigger stars. But there's something that punched through, and she's remembered, the image. But other people... That were the biggest. Yeah, you, know, you know the number of people who have no idea who Johnny Carson is. I mean, that's kind of unthinkable, right?
1: Audrey Hepburn, I think, might have been partly from fashion because yep. she was super thin, right? And and she she evoked a certain look, right? Which is coming back in some way. They're showing it in in sh- in magazines and things like that. Because there's a guy who's just written a book now uh, on um, Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. He was her voice coach. And he says there is a resurgence in the look, in the slenderness, in the schmatas, and all the rest of it. So maybe that has something to do with why Audrey Hepburn is a perennial.
0: And I think the other reason, my father was a big Japanophile and spoke Japanese, and he used to say you know, Audrey Hepburn was like a religion in Japan and still is a real important image. And he said, well, because of her shape, her figure, her look, there's something kind of international about it. But yeah,
1: how do you going back to fairy cakes for the minute? I was just thinking because I'm I'm sort of unready to go into big theaters. How do you protect yourself with CV backstage or on stage or or singing into somebody else's throat? Well,
0: we all everyone had to be vaccinated and were tested every three days. And so far, so good. I mean, I feel fortunate. It's a small house. It's fewer than 200 seats and you know, they are um, very stringent. And I think it's for the best that obviously every cat, every audience member has to show proof of vaccination, but they are, everyone is masked, the nose and mouth. And listen, in the cast and crew, there have been no breakthrough infections and we are tested every, every three days. And, uh, and there've been no complaints from the audience. There've been no, you know, we haven't heard like, Oh, I, you know, three days after I went to see your show, I got sick. So so far, so good. I think we have the advantage of being a smaller theater. It's also a big, airy space. So I think the big Broadway theaters, and I wish them the best of luck, have a bigger challenge. You know, 1,500 okay. seats. Okay, I'm getting
1: ready to get rid of you. No, but fine. Right. I understand. But, 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 <laughs> I
0: lasted. But I had a good run here.
1: <laughs> but before I throw you the hell out, which I would like to do, <laughs> basically, you once told me about you were taking your mother. Did she come to see you in this She's
0: going to. I just took her for her flu shot two days ago. She had her booster shot a couple of weeks before that. Um, but and the flu shot, you know, it's so funny. I took my, my mother. She oh God, is she going to be upset if I say how old she is? But anyway, it starts with a nine. With an mm. I. A nine, and it ends with three. And she's in great health. And she, um, she's nine hundred and three. No, she. Um, and so I took her for the for the flu shot at Dwayne Reed at uh, Walgreens, and. It's just so funny because there were a lot of people there, and then one woman was there with a home health aide who asked my mother how old she was and was shocked at how good she looks and blah blah blah. And the whole thing took about a half an hour. And as we were walking back, my mother turned to me and she said, "That was an amazing experience." And I thought, "Well, what going to get a flu shot?" But I don't know. It just it's it's the little things, right? It's kind of you know spending time with family members and kind of. Stuff like that is. Before
1: I show you yeah, the hell yeah, out, yeah. what's coming up for a CBS Sunday show that you're on, unfortunately?
0: I know. Um, <laughs> I think either my Franklin Pierce piece, which which I know how excited you are about it. Oh, my it. God. So I'm trying your, to control myself. I know. Yeah. Or, or yeah. it's going to be my Sonny Curtis piece. Or I've got a, um, a piece about the making of Sunday in the Park with George where I interviewed James Lapine, Bernadette Peters, and Mandy Patinkin. And that was a heck of a lot of fun.
1: I'm I'm sure. I'm I'm trying to get excited. You were also, excuse me, I was a director of the Miss Universe Beauty Pageant for years before I went on to the New York Post. You were a judge at a beauty contest. What the hell do you know about judging a beauty contest?
0: Nothing. But my (laughs)
1: personal
0: trainer at the time, and, you know, listeners can't see how rippling I am. My personal trainer at the time (laughs) was the trainer for the contestants of Miss USA with the Miss USA pageant um great trainer and a real horn dog so I think he really loved that job and then he said to me you know um he said if you're um if you want if you want to judge this you might get a kick out of it I'll recommend you and so I got a job doing that and who's Betsy who's the um the fashion designer Betsy ugh. You know, Betsy, B E but she spells it B E T S E Y. She's a famous fashion designer. Oh, she's
1: so famous. How come you don't know her? I know I can't remember
0: her name. It's anyway, and and I had to actually she didn't understand how to use the tabulator and you know, the election results were almost thrown off, right? Like she almost accidentally, you know, got Miss Utah named Miss USA when it so was,
1: far I'm not thrilled with your whole interview. Yeah, go ahead. I know. This isn't a
0: great story, but at the time it was a very stressful moment because we were live on TV and Miss Connecticut eventually won.
1: I don't really care. I no. mean, um just give- You have me listeners one. in Connecticut. Not to you. So. <laughs> all in Connecticut. Just Connecticut, all keep three listening. Of them, all three I stuck of them.
0: up for you. Utah could have won that pageant, if all not three. for me.
1: What's coming up? Wait, wait, wait. I have one. Halloween? No, Halloween. We got Thanksgiving or Groundhog Day. You got anything to say before I throw you off? Which I'm no. looking forward to. I mean, to. I
0: love the movie Groundhog Day. Um, Don't forget that. Yeah. What
1: about Thanksgiving? You got any anything or a holiday story? Anything?
0: Oh, a holiday story. Well, I'm I'm gonna do for our food show, our annual food show on CBS Sunday morning. I'm doing a story
1: on the history of the automat, and um. Remember the Automat? Oh, let me tell you a story. Back a thousand years ago when I was a kid, Jack Benny had a black tie party. The first black tie party I had ever gone to in the Automat. (gasps) In the Automat. And he gave us, because Joey Adams was my husband and, and, and Joey knew Jack Benny. So I came along and he gave everyone a roll of quarters and... Half dollars and everything, and we put it in, and we got the lousy kakamami uh, pies and goodbye, all the. Red. The, the automatic was such a great thing. All right, now you were about to tell me you. you have to,
0: uh, I, I'm riveted by this because we're just in the in the planning stages of it right now. Do you remember by any chance? Was it there was there was one on Third Avenue? There was a big Times Square automat. Yes. If it was a Times Square one, I bet, that you went to. I don't anyway, know. I don't know. That's what, how great that you
1: went to a black tie event yes. at an automat. What are you doing with this thing? What are do you doing so, with So uh, autom- this
0: woman made – a I can't remember her name. She made a documentary about it that's that's just coming out. And about then a, automats? Yeah, and then there's a book. Horn and Hardart were the the, the owners of the big automats. And I guess uh, one of the descendants of, of the Hardart family, I guess, has written a book about it. So, yeah, so – so, um, and I think – I don't know this. I haven't gotten deeply into it enough yet, but I think it might be coming back because they're talking about how restaurants are going to become more automated now with it's robots.
1: It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Do, would you mind very much right now, Moraka, if I threw you off? That's
0: great. I, I, I've – I've had go. enough of you. No, that's fine. And I've <laughs> got to go eat anyway. Do you know if there's an automat near here? Oh, no, they're oh, not back funny. yet. Oh, very
1: funny. But there's Smith and Walensky across the street, which will cost you a lot more I than a quarter. Or, yes. Do well, you, you have it a, in your
0: budget for the You WABC have a lot of budget? money.
1: You're making – from fairy cakes, you must be making $30 a week. That
0: off-Broadway. <laughs> Listen, I just have to tell you quickly. After opening night on the street, somebody yelled, Mo, a car is coming. And I thought they meant a car is coming for you, and it was like – No, no this is, at you. Exactly. This is off-Broadway. <laughs> Mo, a car is coming. Get the hell out of the way.
1: Mo, well, so, do you mind getting off here? Yeah, I had I, enough of you. I, this was great. This was terrific. And um, uh, yeah. I was wonderful. You were fair. Get out. Get away.